Welcome to Your Wellness MD Podcast. This is where family physician and wellness expert, Dr. Daniela Stein and her life coach sister, JB, share holistic solutions for your everyday health and wellness challenges. We explore the connection between a healthy body, mind, and soul, and share tips that will enable you to thrive. Thanks for joining us today. JB here. I'm really excited about today's subject. I love reading about the habits of successful people And the one thing most of them have in common is that they meditate. Hugh Jackman, LeBron James, Tiger Woods, Oprah Winfrey, to name but a few, they all meditate and it's actually been one of my 2021 New Year's resolutions. But to be honest, I have not taken it up. I'm excited to be hearing more about what it really is, why it is necessary, and get some tips as to how to start meditating. Danila, where does meditation come from? Hi, from Dr. Daniela. Yes, I'm a meditation advocate. So meditation has been around for a very long period of time. From all the earliest scriptures in different religions, we read about meditation. I honestly believe that meditation is inherently part of us. I don't believe it's something that we get from a religion or from a practice, but it's something that innately is part of us. And as we grow older and we get stuck in the hustle and bustle of life, I believe we lose the ability to meditate as naturally and as fluently as we can when we're young. Can you tell me a little bit more about where it originated? So I hear what you're saying, it's part of us. But I know it was like in the Bible it's mentioned and some of the other religions it's mentioned. So I know there are some real ancient roots. Yes, yes, for sure. However, interestingly, it only really became popular in the 1700s and then again in the 1900s. And now it's more popular than ever before. With research, we are now able to do these big studies where we can compare a group of people who meditate with a similar group of people who don't. And then we can use more controlled studies. So we're not comparing you to a monk sitting on a mountaintop meditating, but we can compare a similar group of people where we teach half of the group of people to meditate and the other half doesn't meditate. And then we can do brain scans after and see how certain areas in the brain with continuous meditation becomes kind of bigger and there is more activity in those areas of the brain than in other areas of the people who do not meditate. Wow, that's scary and fascinating. Can you tell us a little bit more about the benefits of meditation? There are so many benefits. For me as a medical doctor, I specifically look at medical benefits. And and those would be that meditation promotes better sleep. It does reduce stress and anxiety and depression. It even reduces pain. So we teach it to patients with chronic pain syndrome or chronic illness, for people with migraines, fibromyalgia, and irritable bowel syndrome. Meditation even boosts your memory. It protects against cognitive decline, that's aging of the brain, and it sharpens focus and concentration, and it improves your creativity. A big thing from a medical perspective is that it improves your cardiovascular health. Oh, that's fascinating. 
you know, enough reason to convince me to meditate for sure. And it's crazy to think that five or 10 minutes a day can have such a big impact on your life. But do you want to tell us a little bit more about the inner workings of exactly what meditation does to your brain? Yes. So generally our minds race at 200 kilometers an hour during the day and often at night. So it does make sense to teach your brain how to become more calm and more focused on one thing at a time. It also helps to become aware of your thoughts and to become aware of this chasing, you know, and to take notice during the day of what you're thinking about. Yeah. And I mean, I've read many examples uh, in stories. You told me about the monkey story. That's a great example. Oh, that to, was specifically a, about a mantra, to explain a mantra. Yes. So um, have you heard about people talking about a mantra? Yes. So I believe in mantras, for example, positive mantras. I repeat positive mantras to myself. I'm smart. I'm sharp. When I remember. So I do believe the power to build confidence and resilience, but... That's basically all I use it for. Yes, yes. And those are affirmations, which is wonderful. With mantras, we we anchor onto something like that, a word or something to help our minds to focus when we're meditating so that your mind doesn't race about the story that you're referring to. And I honestly don't remember why I heard the story the first time, but it was about the shopkeeper in Africa that had a shop and she had a monkey and her monkey was creating havoc in that store. He would A monkey like a pet? Yes, uh, monkey. yes okay. they would sit on her shoulder, but then the monkey would also take bites from the fruit that she was supposed to sell and would just be naughty and turn over some of the tables with food on it and just create havoc. And it really created such a problem that she felt that she would need to sell this monkey. So, you know, at her Wit's end, she decided to get advice from a tribal elder. So she went all the way up a mountain, quite a steep mountain. She had to close her shop and take three days to get up the mountain. And when she got there, she asked this elder, what should she do about this monkey? And the elder listened to her story and advised that she should hang a rope from the roof inside her little shop on the inside. And so there wasn't a ceiling, right? It, it was just a thatched roof and from the middle pole hang a, a rope. She was quite perplexed by this advice and, and quite disappointed, right? Because she made a three-day trek to get there. However, she went back, listened to what this elder said and hung the rope. And then surprisingly, this monkey started climbing up and down that rope and left the rest of the store alone. And that's wow. how, that's how I explain using a mantra to my children or to my pediatric patients. It helps you to focus onto something so that your mind doesn't run around as much. And for different people, that can be something, different things. Quite often, it's a word or a phrase. It's very helpful to focus on your breathing. I specifically teach children always breathing exercises and then after when they meditate, to just focus on their breathing in and out. Sometimes if you're lucky enough to sit in front of the ocean, you can just look at those rolling waves and how it comes out, then back and out, then back, and then you say nothing else. But then as those affirmations that you mentioned, that's something very valuable to hang on to when you're meditating, something like hope or, or a word like that, gratitude. 
That's wonderful. I love that. And I love the metaphor of the monkey. I, you know, because that's part of today's problem is monkey brain, just all Mm. these crazy thoughts in your mind, but focusing on that one visual, one word, one mantra. Now you obviously use meditation. Will you tell us a little bit more about how you've used it in your life? It's something that slowly got better over time. I won't claim that I've been an excellent meditator all along. It was with time as I've become more intentional. I went to a course for family physicians about 10 years ago where they taught mindfulness and meditation. And I was quite surprised realizing that I was already meditating as part of my religious practice, even though I didn't call it meditation at the time. As part of my prayer life, I realized that in the time that I was still trying to hear was the time that I was actually meditating. And the way they taught it to us as physicians was specifically to enable us to clear our mind between patient encounters. And I've been really practicing that quite when you do see a patient, you carry the whole journey of that patient with you. You look at the patient's illness, his diagnosis, his lab results, what your plan is, you know, people, other physicians that you need to consult. So you have this whole medical plan and then you have the whole emotional journey that this patient is going through, the hardship the patient is going through. And you get to know patients quite closely and and all this multifaceted things about a patient. And then just a minute later, you have to see a next patient in the hospital room next door. So it's quite helpful after each patient encounter to meditate, even if that's just three or four minutes, just to create that space to close a patient encounter behind me and be able to see the next patient on an open, empty slate. That makes perfect sense. And I assume there are different ways for you to do it. For example, while you're washing your hands or sanitizing your hands between patients or as you're walking to the next room, or do you sometimes just stand still for a minute or two to do that? Yes. So when I am just standing still at the nurse's station, obviously people will be talking to me. (laughs) So what I like to do is to go and um, get a bottle of water and drink a glass of water and just remove myself a little bit from other people if possible. It is definitely possible. I've quite often in our physician's lounge, I would just sit there with my cup of tea and just inhale the steam, meditate. A good place for you, you know, as a mom to meditate is even when you're with your kids. That's a place where my practice really deepened was when I had to put my little ones to bed. Because you know, you go through these phases that your baby is falling asleep, falling asleep, but not completely asleep yet. And you can't do anything else. So that's a great opportunity for you to meditate. Wow. No, that's, that's definitely something that I can do when I'm with my little one. Um, not always because he runs around and he's busy, but you know, when I change a diaper, for example, when he falls asleep and before nap time, those are the best times. And you live at the ocean. That's really helpful. If you just stare out at the ocean. Absolutely. I actually have a balcony outside my bedroom and I have a yoga mat there. I did it three mornings this past week where I five minutes before I go to the bathroom to brush my teeth. I would sit there, but I, I need to be consistent. And that's my goal after this podcast. But let's that's move good. along to the brain and the neurons. Tell us a little bit more about this electricity I've yes, heard of. Yes, so this is fascinating. Our brains consist of billions of nerve cells. Those nerve cells are called neurons. And these neurons 
talk to each other. This communication in your brain is called electricity. When millions of neurons are communicating at the same time, it generates a significant amount of electrical activity. We can actually measure this electrical activity. We call it an EEG machine where we put all these electrodes on your brain. And that's how we diagnose people with epilepsy, for example. And this combined electrical activity pattern is known as brainwaves. So when you and me are talking, our brainwaves would be at a quite fast rate. It's called beta waves, and it's between 15 and 40 hertz, the frequency. And then when you're more calm, sitting, staring out at the ocean, you your brain would be at slower waves. That's called alpha waves. The frequency is about between 9 and 14 hertz. So you're awake and conscious, but you're just calm and lucid and reflective. Then we have even lower waves called theta waves, where your brain waves is between five and eight hertz. And this is the state we enter when you're deeply relaxed or when you go in a deep meditative state, especially monks that's very trained in meditation and do this quite often. That would be where their brain waves would be at when they're meditating. And then delta waves would be your lowest. That's when you're in a dreamless sleep. And the aim with meditation is to train your brain to slow down a little bit. And when we slow down, we enable our brains more to, you know, when you have your computer open and you have all these little windows open, it helps to close many of those windows so that when you do work on a program, the one you're going to work on works faster. Wow. This is fascinating. The beta waves, alpha waves, theta waves, delta waves. This is pretty new to me. And what I'm understanding you are saying, it's it's not about the perfect state. It's wherever you are, it's going to the next phase. Just slowing down a little bit will ultimately help you reap those health and mental benefits. Indeed. Now I'm really excited to get some practical tips because I, for one, am definitely going to start doing it on a daily basis of this podcast. Please share a couple of tips with us. So that's the most important thing. The fact that you want to, if you want to, if you have that intention and you have a growth mindset, you're halfway there. That's the biggest thing, having that open-minded growth mindset. What I find helpful is to schedule a specific time. As you mentioned, first thing when you get up or before you have lunch and to be consistent, you know, most habits take about three weeks to take root. You don't need a specific spot. You can, like you mentioned, your balcony. It's awesome if you have a place like that overlooking a tree or a pond of water, a body of water. That's awesome. If you don't, that's fine. I I believe it's very important that you shouldn't think, oh, I need a perfect spot. And then because you don't have a perfect spot, have that deter you from meditating. Because I've heard many people say that they close their eyes because that actually helped them to not get distracted. And you can definitely do that. It's helpful to anchor your thoughts on something. And initially just start by, by focusing on your breathing. And then when your thoughts start running through your mind, not to get frustrated, just to notice the thought or notice the emotion or notice a feeling and let them go. And not to judge the thoughts, not to judge yourself, not to try to block your thoughts, not to become frustrated. Just know you're going to have more thoughts and with time, it's going to become easier and easier. 
it is, you know, like when a baby learns to walk, you don't decide after one or two months that, oh, no, no, this baby still can't walk. You're not going to, you should stop trying now, right? It's something that you just get up and you try again and and, and you're going to get better and it's going to become easier with time. And then when you notice that you're thinking about something, you just return to your breathing and you kind of start again. Okay. And, and what's in terms of time frame? Start by aiming for five minutes. That's a good idea. And if you feel comfortable doing it for five minutes, you can move on to 10 to 15. What I often do is to set an alarm on my phone because otherwise I would constantly think, especially if I'm short for time, I might constantly be thinking that, oh, is it time yet? Is it time yet to do this or to do that? But if I know the alarm is going to go off, it kind of takes that pressure away, you know, especially for longer times, if you want to meditate for half an hour or an hour, if you know the alarm is going to go off after an hour, you don't have to think about what time it is. So it's one thing that you can just let go and focus. Yes. I love that. I love that tip. My question is five minutes a day. Will that really give me a positive you impact? You know what? There's one study that they showed where people meditate five minutes a day. And then after 10 minutes, the, uh, sorry, 10 days, they showed that it already had a benefit on their cardiovascular health where it had um, lowered wow. the blood pressure and improved cholesterol levels and increased heart rate variability. So I'm an athlete. I always wow. look at my heart rate variability. I have this watch that look at how I acclimatize and when my heart rate returns back to normal after I'm tra I trained. And your heart rate variability is a measure showing how fit you are. And just that improvement in heart rate variability is generally an indicator of how healthy you are. So even people who are not athletes can improve this by meditation. Wow. That's unbelievable. I definitely want to do it because that was sometimes for me, it's, ah, five minutes, you know, what difference make, does it make lying in bed or sitting somewhere, focusing on nothing, but I'm definitely convinced after hearing everything that you share today, I will commit to starting with meditation 10 days, five minutes a day, and then I will move it up. Sounds good. Every day a step closer to optimal health from within. That's our goal. Thank you, Dr. D. It was great to spend some time and hopefully we will have a lot of people starting to meditate. Until next time, stay well. Stay well. Thanks for spending your time with your wellness MD doc, Daniela and JB today. For more episodes, subscribe to our podcast. We would love to connect with you at info at wellnessmdhelp.com. And remember, you were created to thrive. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast.